Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Combine Week here on the Buffalo Beat. My name is Joe Biscalia, and the Bills, decision makers, their scouts, a bunch of their coaches, and a bunch of their ex-coaches are all at the uh, NFL Scouting Combine this week in Indianapolis. And uh, that is also where we got to speak with Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean uh, for an extended portion of time. I didn't want to go over what they said and maybe what we learned throughout the entire process alone. So I brought in the big gun and I brought in the guy that you all love every time he's on and he brings something ridiculous to the table that that makes you really just laugh in your with your head in your hands the entire time. So Tim Graham joins us on uh, on the Buffalo Beat. Tim, welcome back. It's been a while. Joe, I've missed you. <laughs> I saw you like 12 hours ago. <laughs> I know it. <laughs> but you are, are we allowed to say this? Is this, is this breaking the fourth wall? Uh, you are not in Indianapolis anymore. No, I I'm am not. still in Indianapolis. Yes. It's the power um, of zoom. Yeah. I'm in my hotel room right now. Um, by the way, I notice an echo. Uh, is this audio? Okay. You're perfectly fine. Okay, it sounds good I'm, to me. I'm a little too close to the wall in my hotel. Uh, so I'm, I'm now bouncing back. So I'm harmonizing with myself. We'll call it that. <laughs> well, uh, it, it, it was, you know, in the, in the days we spent, uh, days that I spent in Indianapolis and, um, you're, you're coming back in a couple of days here too. Uh, it was, somewhat forthcoming, you know, it's always a good time of year to talk to a lot of these GMs and um, coaches because they're a little bit more relaxed than they are at any point during the season. McDermott, especially like McDermott was semi loose compared to how he is during the season for press conferences. He's like cracking jokes. He's interacting. I think it also helps that it was the first scrum, I think since 2019, uh, if, if I'm not mistaken with those guys. So it was uh, it, it was very intriguing to hear some of the things that they had to say. And um, I don't know. I, I, let's just make this open ended. Like what if you had to think what really stood out more than anything based on what they said or maybe what what we've learned about this whole Bills situation, the playoffs, offseason coaching changes, what uh, what what kind of stood out to you more than anything? Yeah, I think it's mostly little revelations. There's no breaking of ground. Uh, but yeah, you're, you're right, Joe. It's Everybody's looser. They're not in the regular season or even the, the playoff. It doesn't even have to be regular season. They're not in that mode of getting ready for the next opponent, having you know the routine that is so critical in all of sports, but maybe particularly in the regimented NFL um, where the media is um, – 
considered by most teams to be a distraction to the real goal at hand, which is to win on Sunday afternoon. And we have things we need to do as a team. And we've carved out this little bit of time that we are contractually obligated to speak to the reporters. And so, yeah, um, yeah, Sean McDermott doesn't have a lot of that on his mind. This is scouting season. And of course, he is by virtue of being such an influencer on the Bills uh, staff or the Bills uh, uh, organization. He's like, he's kind of a, a scout by extension because he's going to have some say as to mm-hmm. what he likes and what he sees and um, his thoughts. But really, this is the time for Brandon Bean and the scouts to do a lot of their work. A lot of contract stuff happens uh, in Indianapolis because the agents are all here, which is an underrated aspect of um, of coming to Indianapolis to cover this. It's not, you know, that's the business of, of sports. You have a lot of yeah. owners who are involved. They are here also, not all of them, but, but most. Um, so um, yeah, everybody's a little looser uh, depending on what time of the day uh, you're talking to them. They may sure. have a couple of drinks in them. Um, I may have a couple of drinks in me. Uh, <laughs> you have a tendency to like talk more like regular people uh, yeah. as opposed to, I, I was, I, I don't want to out the person um, I thought he was yanking my chain, but it, it's somebody who I see, um, on a regular basis, but I don't get to talk to candidly, uh, because people are around type thing. Um, and assi- I'll, I'll, I'll say this, it's an assistant coach, mm-hmm. uh, who I have a really good relationship with. And, uh, he spotted me at the bar last night, uh, and came walking over and I, I said something along the lines of, Hey man, I just want to thank you for for knowing, for getting it, you know, for treating me like a human being mm. and which is kind of a pathetic thing to say. It's kind of sad, but there's such a paranoia and antagonistic aspect to how some organizations treat the media. Um, and, you know, Brandon Bean's considered maybe the most accessible general manager in, in the entire NFL, but I've I mean, what he did, what he did on Tuesday, just <laughs> yeah. talking for three hours straight yes. to whoever wanted to talk to him. It was like, I've never seen any GM do that. in even the years that he's been the GM, I haven't seen him do that before. There were, uh, there were national reporters who were just marveling, uh, at, uh, at Brandon Bean. they coming over and saying, man, I'm not used to seeing this. My team doesn't do anything like this. This guy won't stop. And, um, but yeah, but that's unusual. And I've covered the bills long enough to remember when it wasn't like that. And I've covered other teams where everything is so standoffish and you're not allowed to even uh, say hello to somebody without somebody without a PR person jumping your ass. So um, anyway, so I mentioned to this assistant coach, I, I said, thank you for you know just treating me like a human. And he looked at me and said, the media is your friend. And I started mm. laughing because I thought he was yanking my chain. <laughs> And when I started laughing, he put his hand on my shoulder. He said, no, no, no. The media is, is your friend. And it was almost like, you know, you're going to the psychologist and he keeps saying, it's not your fault. It's not your fault until you break down and cry, I guess. But um, it is not your fault. Um, But, uh, and he said, the payoff of just treating people well goes a long way. Oh yeah. It gives you a longer leash. And it doesn't mean that I'm going to, pull punches or, uh, but a lot of times it's, you know, I can run something past them. Uh, they, they can trust you to tell you information that is educational, maybe not a big scoop or some, you know, they're not going to give you personnel information, but they might explain to you how a certain play works or why it broke down, you know, things like that. But anyway, yeah, good background more than anything. Yeah. And, um, 
so anyways, it was just funny, you know, you, you, with, with the accessibility aspect of it, you get a couple of drinks in you, I guess this is my long winded way of making this point is whether even the couple of drinks in me and the couple of drinks in him, you start talking to each other like regular people, not as though we always do where we're constantly wondering when we're at one bill's drive. Um, am I allowed to even talk to this person? Am mm-hmm. I allowed to say hello? Um, is this person going to get in trouble after the fact if I am spotted talking, if he is spotted talking to me and then 10 minutes later he gets called into an office? I mean, that's happened to me back, back when I covered the Sabres. Um, I, I was having, I actually wasn't feeling well on the road at to a point where I, I asked the athletic trainer, Tim Macri. Uh, I think I can tell this story because we laugh about it now and he's no longer with the team. Mm-hmm. I was having trouble with my vision a little bit. And I mentioned something to him and I just said, is that something I should get checked out or whatever? And he's, he gave me some advice and uh, whatever he said, like, keep an eye on it. If it doesn't, whatever. I mean, it was very innocuous. Well, Darcy Regeer saw me talking to him. He and Lindy Ruff pulled the athletic trainer into a side room almost immediately oh, and, no. he, and gave him the third degree. And I, he, said, he said, the way it went is that Darcy Regeer didn't stop talking for 10 minutes. And then finally, you know, pretty much threatening his job that you do not talk to, to him or reporters in general. And uh, finally, after he was all talked out, Tim says, OK, can I tell you what we were talking about? Are you going to let me? And so he did. And then everybody had a big laugh about it. <laughs> but it's not funny at the time when the guy's being threatened for just right. having, you know, a friggin' conversation with another human being. But that's what sports teams are about. Uh, OK, so I'll throw it back to you, Joe. I yeah. didn't answer. I didn't answer your question. Sure. Um, but yeah, little nuggets. I mean, so I'll, I'll start with you because um, I'm going to throw it back to you. What what your thought was, and then I think we'll probably go from there because we we bounced around. There's contract stuff. There's assistant coaching stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, Sean McDermott talking about 13 seconds and Brandon Bean's um, his thoughts on what what the Bills would like to see overtime be. Yeah, I I was really compelled just because it's been the most common thing uh, over the last couple of weeks about the, all the assistant coaching stuff, because we have seen probably the most turnover on Sean McDermott's staff since he has arrived. I mean, there was the year that he replaced Rick Dennison, but nothing has been wholesale changes. Like we've seen in a lot of different spots. It was a quarterback's coach. It was uh, offensive coordinator. It was assistant quarterback's coach. It was the linebacker's coach. Uh, then because they filled the linebacker's coach with the safety's coach, they had to refill the safety's coach. The special teams coordinator was gone. So really it was just trying to figure out what their, um, I guess their philosophy is going forward because now they have a, a new offensive line coach who is a bit different than what they what they just had with Bobby Johnson and Aaron Cromer, who has been with the bills before. Um, obviously, you know, they brought in Ken Dorsey, but we have no idea what he's going to be. And then another first time coordinator, Matt Smiley is their special teams coordinator who, um, you know, it, it, he's, he's someone that they were high on, but you know, it's, it's all trying to figure out how this is going to work. And this is really the first time that McDermott is trusting a lot of first time coordinators. And I'm, pretty compelled to see how it goes, but just hearing them talk about it and how they arrived at those decisions was the most interesting part to me. Yeah, I, I was, you know, there were so many things, um, you know, getting into personnel when you start talking about names of players, uh, mm-hmm. you wrote about it uh, for the story that posted today regarding Tremaine Edmonds. Um, but it sounded to me that the two names that, that stood out to me just because they've been important, even though they are older and you do realize that this, 
as this time comes in the back of your mind, but uh, it sounded as though the Bills are, are ready to part ways with Jerry Hughes and Mario Addison based on uh, what Brandon Bean had to say about them. And, and Addison led the Bills with seven sacks last year, but he's going to be 34. Uh, Jerry Hughes is going to be 33. I think I'm getting that right. Um, yeah. yeah, you got it. And uh, Jerry had only two sacks last year. Uh, is he going to be willing to come back at a big discount? And obviously the, that's what the Bills are hoping for. They, they'd like to have them back, but um, Brandon Bean started off his response to that question with saying, I know they want to keep playing. Mm-hmm. Uh, which, which is a telling comment, you know, which means that uh, they, they're still active football players. Neither of them are retiring. So the fact that you need to get to a, a situation, I think, where they might be retiring, that means that the general manager probably thinks that it's close. Know, <laughs> yeah. So do we want to keep paying guys who are close to retirement when we have cap situation, when we just gave our quarterback all this money and we're going to have to start making roster moves uh, to keep this thing together for the long haul. Not, and that's something else that was, that was brought up a bunch of times yesterday. The Los Angeles Rams approach mm-hmm. that won them the Super Bowl, the all-in approach. Do you go for the big pieces uh, when you think you have time to strike? And while, yes, that's very attractive to win one Super Bowl, um, Brandon B made it the point to say he's never had credit card debt. Uh, he doesn't believe in paying later for a reward right now. Uh, and and so he's trying to make these moves that will uh, keep the team as together as possible for the longest amount possible, as opposed to, you know, what what made the New Orleans Saints infamous, you know, while they had Drew Brees. Let's just keep mortgaging our future and maximize this asset that we have. Keep going for it. You 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 don't get as many um, chances to go for it, maybe because you're constantly, uh, you know, under the gun. Uh, mm-hmm. And now here, Sean Payton, it, it, the mortgage that, you know, the bill has come due and Sean Payton's like, I'm out of here. I'm not yeah. sticking around for this. I mean, this is going to get ugly. Um, I had my time. See you later. Uh, sorry, Saints. But uh, yeah, I think Brandon Bean is uh, he has to make some savvy moves. And I, it doesn't sound to me like like Jerry Hughes is a, is a luxury. They're willing to to pay. Um, uh, and, and Emmanuel Sanders is probably gone. It, it sounds like the bills, uh, Brandon Bean said that he's probably leaning towards retirement. So he was their third most productive receiver last year. Of course, his numbers tailed as the season went on and Gabriel Davis emerged. So I don't know that Emmanuel Sanders is going to be that big of a loss. Yeah. That he doesn't said, make sense going forward in their build. That said though, he was a huge leader. He was considered right. that anyway. Um, and the bills have lost uh, quite a bit of leadership. I think Brian Dable's considered a huge leader. I mean, he got everybody pulling together. They love to play for Brian Dable. Um, you know, there are guys, uh, they've lost some leadership. Davis Webb uh, considered a leader, uh, even though he, you know, he's not on the field. But uh, yeah, there's, um, there's some interesting aspects with that. And then obviously it comes right back to the point you were just talking about, Joe, regarding mm-hmm. assistant coaches. These guys are all leaders. I mean, they're in this profession to be leaders. So you're, you're changing out um, these people that, that you, that are very important communicators that your players need to buy in. And, um, and I think that some of those coaches on the field, like Sanders and Davis Weber losses too. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I, I affirmed it incorrectly, by the way, uh, add a year to both Hughes and, um, 
Addison. Hughes 34 is, and 35. Yeah. Hughes is going to be 34 and Addison's going to be 35. I, I even, okay. I'm like, Oh God, they're, they're, they're one year older, but yeah. And that's know, like right before the season begins too. So they exactly. are currently 33 and 34. That's that, exactly. that my confusion. Exactly. Um, uh, and let's, and let's add those guys too, as leaders, yep, you know, yep. I know we're just talking, you know, but yeah, Jerry Hughes, longest tenured bill. I mean, he's, uh, the last, uh, the last player acquired under Ralph Wilson's ownership. Um, so he's been around and uh, anyways, I'm yeah. belaboring the point with him. I'm, I'm kind of wondering what his market is actually going to be because the, uh, the, the stats that are, uh, that everyone looks to the sack statistic is, you know, that's the, the moneymaker, so to speak. And he only had two and he hasn't had a lot of sacks throughout the last three, four years. And I wonder if that market just kind of dwindles a bit on him, especially going 33, 34, but he's still an effective player. And so, you know, because they have just this young trio of pass rushers in Rousseau, Basham and Epinesa and uh, a, a three pack of, of pass rushers that Sean McDermott all kind of clumped together and said, this off season is critical for these guys because the, the bills have been rewarded so often by staying patient with some of their young players that they're trying to develop. Like this past year was a tremendous example of, of how, what, what resulted out of their draft picks could empower them to stay patient at, at that position in itself. I mean, you look at Dawson Knox, look at Devin Singletary, uh, Harrison Phillips. Uh, I'm probably forgetting one um, that, that has really come come into oh Gabriel Davis I mean just Ed Oliver Ed Oliver too like there are there are a bunch of examples where these guys ha- had the best year of their career because the Bills were patient and entrusted in their development so I kind of wonder if maybe the Bills just go into this offseason think all right let's not let's not try and you know recreate the wheel here um let's see what these these three guys can do let's see if they can play um, and then maybe even bring back one of Addison or Hughes, whoever's more cost effective, whoever, um, because they know how Rousseau, Basham and Epinesa tick, you know, those young guys are comfortable with that veteran leadership. I mean, that's, that's the, that's like the underlying thing. I'm so glad you brought that up because Hughes and Addison, they look at those guys as humongous leaders. And the one thing that we always used to point to when McDermott first started is that he likes to have that type of leadership in every single positional room. And they don't have that at defensive end anymore. So I wonder because if, and there's so much logic that points to Hughes coming back if the price is right, but the price has to be real. Like if he's getting going to get paid six, $7 million on the open market for one year deal, that's okay. See you, Jerry, have fun. But if he can come back on like a $3 million deal, which is more than, uh, I think it's more plausible than not based on his stats and everything like that. I just, it, it, Bean definitely didn't sound like, oh yeah, we're, we're making him a priority, but he's like, yeah, we're, we're in if, if the price yeah. is right. They're it, open it, to it. Yeah, but, absolutely. I mean, couldn't you see Jerry going to back home to Houston? Absolutely. You know, for a couple of years or even absolutely year, whatever. I mean, I, play I'm for Lovey Smith. Yeah. yeah. There's all kinds of ways that guys end their careers and you got a team that needs to, that needs to pace somebody, something, you know, you start True. getting some out of, out of whack contracts. Yep. Uh, sometimes with teams that aren't very good because they need to, to spend uh, to, to reach certain thresholds. And so, yeah, there's, I don't think it's a given that just because Jerry Hughes 
uh, has been a bill for so long and likes yeah. being a bill that he's just automatically going to say, yeah, this is, I'm going to win a Super Bowl. And, and that's something that we can, I guess, probably ask Jerry Hughes if we ever have the opportunity to again. But um, sometimes the, you know, sometimes the money just talks and, you know, getting making four times as much money um, to go home is, um, is could more be his last contract than, too. Yeah. And, he, and he's, or the fact that he can play, you know, you go to a team, if he, if he sees the writing on the wall in Buffalo that he he's going to lose reps, um, you know, that, but like you said, Joe, he's still an effective player, but yeah. to, to do it for less money than you can get on the open market. That's a big thing with, you know, agents who are constantly pushing and your, and your fellow players, hometown discounts don't happen a lot of times because players are pressured by their, their fellow teammates and their peers, because you going out and making more money makes all of us more money Mm -hmm. because you take a discount that brings down the, the franchise tag number that brings down the transition tag number, you know, go out and get the most, the the more money you go get, the more money we all get because it sets standards. Uh, it, it, it allows, it doesn't allow a team to use a comparable, uh, when somebody else comes up for free agency and they'll say, uh, well, I don't know. Look at this. Uh, Jerry Hughes, uh, he had this type of production and he got paid. He went out and his next contract was this. And you're mm-hmm. like, well, the, but they they're not going to look at the fact that it's a hometown thing. And it's just all kinds of there's all kinds of pushing and pulling that goes on with with free agency and, and the pride of you know being paid what you're worth. And so a player can reasonably argue it's not about the money. It's about the respect. Uh, you know, there's all kinds of things that factor into um, a, a contract and where you're going to sign. Sometimes it's just not as easy as I want to be in this place and go win a Super Bowl um, versus um, now just just pay me a bunch of money. And uh, I want to enjoy being an NFL player for as long as I can. Yeah, totally fair. If if that's that's his choice. I mean, this this might be his last good crack at it. Um, and, you know, I think it would probably boil down to if there was like a, you know, an offer for $4 million out there, as opposed to the bills offer of maybe like three and a half and all things being equal, Hughes might go, well, you know, is $500,000 worth uprooting my family? Is it worth doing all this stuff because he's comfortable? Um, are, is the other team going to necessarily have a great chance at winning? So it's got to be his market has to be right in order for them to strike is, is the whole thing. And it, that kind of seems like how the bills are playing this entire uh, their entire crop of soon to be free agents. Um, because you, like you brought out the notion that the bills are going to do what some of the other teams do in terms of just, you know, kick the can down the road, the credit card philosophy, Hey, spend it now, worry about it later. Sort of thing. That's not, that's not Bean's deal. Um, He even, you know, he was asked about it a lot on Tuesday, but he even was, he even talked about it on Eric Woods podcast, not too long ago um, where I think one of the listener questions was like, Hey, uh, would you ever consider doing, doing the Rams philosophy? And, and even then he is like, I'm not a, you know, one year or bust kind of guy. And that should have set the tone right then and there, but now it's, it's, it's abundantly clear. If it wasn't before, it's abundantly clear that they're all about, you know, massaging some contracts, not going too overboard with it. 
but just, you know, doing things without being hasty, uh, on this year's, on this year's salary cap, because they know there's a $39 million cap hit, you know, waiting around the corner in 2023 on Josh Allen. And and they need to, they need to really be careful with everything they do, especially with how they want to build in this philosophy moving forward. So that's why it comes back to some of their own free agents. Like we brought up Hughes and maybe Addison. I think Hughes is probably more likely than Addison, but the one that, you know, stood out to me when we asked Bean about it was Harrison Phillips because he really came on strong down the stretch. He was, he was great. Um, and he became their starter after Latulale had to kind of move to the side. Um, he had a bout with COVID and Bean has said multiple times, wasn't really the same player. Once he came back, Phillips ascended uh, once he became fully healthy again. And now Phillips is an unrestricted free agent. And when he was asked about Harrison, he said, well, you know, basically said some guys, you know, you, you earn the right to go, to go see what you're worth. And it sounded like they're, they're anticipating Harrison Phillips going to the open market to see what's out there. Um, but I do think he, he's a, probably a priority for them mo- moving forward. He's homegrown guy. It's everything they believe in. You know, they're probably not going to have to spend a crazy amount as long as his market doesn't go berserk um, in a couple of weeks here. So yeah, it, 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 he's, he's kind of the top of mind here, but it, it kind of feels like the rest of their free agents are all under that bucket. Like, okay, wait and see what happens. And in the meantime, the bills have to figure out their own stuff with how to get under the cap right, right. now. Is. And Harrison Phillips is important. I think to what Sean McDermott uh, values uh, in regard to uh, the type of human being you are. And I- I'll be honest, I don't quite know. I don't really hear it discussed too much. What kind of locker room leader Harrison Phillips is. Yeah. Me neither. Actually. Um, I don't hear much of that. However, what he does in the community the fact that he is the team's Walter Payton Man of the Year Award nominee each of the last two years, um, and that comes from the team. They, they make that nomination. Um, you know, those are the, the type of guys that, that, they, that form your identity or the, in that, that, that Sean McDermott really wants. But it, you mentioned it, too. It's a homegrown thing. Um, he's a Brandon Bean draft pick, and – you know, those, those uh, and Brandon used that phrase, uh, you know, draft, grow, draft, develop, resign. Yeah. Draft, develop, resign. Mm-hmm. And there you go. I mean, that's a guy. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think it'll be interesting to see what happens, you know, going out and testing the open market too, for Brandon Bean to be able to say that, that might be coded language for, we think his he and his representative are asking for more than the market will bear. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a that's a strategy that uh, a lot of teams will use, and it's considered gracious. Go out there and see what you can get, and if you don't like what you hear, let's talk. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes guys come back because they 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 overvalued themselves, or they they uh, they thought that the market for their service is going to be greater than it was, and so uh, and then you come back, and then there's actual gratitude on both sides of, all right, you let me go out there and look, um, you know, the, and here I am, I'm back. And thank you for giving me what you are going to give me. Uh, you know, it's that if you love something, set it free, if it comes back to you, it's yours. And if it doesn't, it never was, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Uh, there's, there's kind of a, there's kind of a, um, a kumbaya type situation with that. (laughs) And some general managers like have, have feasted off of that in years and, 
um, that, that could be what Brandon Bean was talking about also. Yeah. Um, and I, I also found it interesting and, and they've, they've used that strategy a lot over the last few years. And a lot of times it's, it's worked in their favor. Um, like even something like Matt Milano, uh, Daryl Williams, these, these two guys that they brought back under pretty difficult circumstances of the decreased salary cap last year, you know, they, I'm sure part of it had to do with wanting to come back for a winner, um, with Milano because he took what was under what he probably would have been paid as a free agent, but like, you know, all things being equal, I'm sure a lot of guys would rather stay in Buffalo at this point with, with how they're doing it, as long as the offer is there. But I also found it interesting when Bean was kind of talking about Saran Neal, about how that was able to come together. And that happened because Saran Neal wanted it to <laughs> more than anything, like the values kind of aligned. They, they were just like, okay, well, here's what, this is the X amount that we think he's worth. And then the agent comes back and says, okay, well, we feel like he's worth this. And if it's close and they really want to sit down and play ball, then they're going to. But if, if you get an agent or, you know, a player via the agent, that's kind of hemming and hawing and go, ah, I don't really know, because this is potentially life-changing money for all these guys. And, you know, you also have to have that human aspect to it. There's the business side and then the human side to it, where you think to yourself, okay, if, if this guy, this is his best crack at, you know, setting up his family for life, um, then, you know, afford him the opportunity to do it, uh, rather than, you know, forcing and saying, Nope, you got to take this deal right now or, or, or we're ripping it. It's, it's a very savvy business strategy. And I, I think the way that Bean has kind of built up his relationships with people and with, with agents for the most part, and for, it's, he's just a very relationship driven general manager. And I think it benefits him a lot of the times where he's able to get all of these things that seem really good on paper because he's willing to, you know, see that you're more than just a bunch of numbers and you're more than just, uh, uh, just a guy who fills a role on a roster. And uh, yeah, I, I, I don't know that everyone is like that actually. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think that there are some who are just analytics driven. Yeah, and, for sure. And I don't mean analytics like stats, you know, I'm, I'm talking, but like we are looking at this spreadsheet, this is where you're locked in, mm-hmm. um, you know, and uh, yeah, I, I agree. And you know, there are some teams that do operate like that. Some do it with great success. Um, very formulaic uh, others. Uh, not so much. I think that's an astute point, Joe. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. 
What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. We haven't gone too far into some of the other non-roster stuff, but you know, I, I, I found that the whole concept of overtime to be pretty interesting. And I know, I know it has less to do with what they're going to do in the offseason, but yeah, Brandon Bean was not shy in talking about what their proposal was. McDermott kind of deferred, but right. Bean got right up there to the to the big podium and was like, hey, look, you know, feel like there's an opportunity here to to grow the game. Uh, and even was went into like, hey, we we don't want to do it regular season because of player safety, but you know, let's let's set a clock like in, in other leagues out there for playoffs. So that way your your season isn't just over. And, you know, the, the cynic in me wondered, okay, well, if they had won that game and they won the coin toss, are they proposing this <laughs> this year? But still, I mean, it, it's, it's a fair point. And it, it kind of seems like it has some momentum um, with, with things, uh, how it's sounding around the league right now. Yeah. And um, Brandon Bean made it a point also to say that uh, there's probably going to be so many different proposals. You, you don't really know which one's going to gain favor, mm-hmm. but he did uh, express optimism that changes will be made uh, when the NFL owners meeting happens uh, in three weeks, I think, mm-hmm. three, whatever it is, the end of it's at the end of this month. Um, and that's when the, the competition committee will get together and they'll vote uh, on, on what changes need to be made to various rules. But overtime obviously is a very popular topic these days, given how many overtime games there were in the postseason, um, And, you know, and you mentioned player safety. Brandon Bean also said that that's this timed court. It's actually just a period. So if you were to score, uh, the game is not over because you have to play until the clock strikes zero. Uh, and this allows for multiple possessions, too. So mm-hmm. you could score two touchdowns in overtime um, and ended up winning by 14 points. Um as opposed to one score um, or it doesn't get into first, uh, you know, first field goal wins the game after the first possession and it gets tricky that way. So I think there's, I like the, and I guess just for, you know, for the record, for the sake of this discussion, this is what, this is the proposal that the bills are backing. This is, this is what Brandon Bean said he is in favor of, or the team as a team, what's what the bills would like, Mm -hmm. Uh, whether or not that's what gets adopted. uh, Who's to say, Um, but I like this concept for the clarity that it provides. 
just think, I mean, I've covered the NFL for a long time and the, the overtime rule has been, as it is, has been around for a while. Sudden death, you was clean cut as imperfect as it was first team to score wins. All right. That's everybody understands that when it started to get tinkered with, um, then it was, all right, we're going to change the time on the clock. Uh, and it, it know, turned into a logic formula. Yeah. It's like <laughs> trying to explain the infield fly rule or it's like, all right, now I gotta, I gotta stop and think. And we'd get to, or I'd be watching a game. And as somebody who covers the NFL, I'd have to stop and be like, all right, now what the hell are they doing now? All right. This is <laughs> right. And, safety, and then you throw in the thing of, or if there's a safety and anytime you have to mention the rule, when the official is doing the coin flip, uh, you know, at the end of the fourth quarter, and he has to mention, or if a safety is scored or a defense, and I'm like, well, how often is that even going to happen? So that you have all this crap in your mind of, all right, all these different permutations. Uh, how about just, all right, when the clock hits zero, whoever's winning, we're going to give you a little extra time. And, mm-hmm. and uh, if, if it's still tied after that, it's a tie. Uh, and um, otherwise, most points win. Okay. I, I think everybody can understand that. Do you remember the first time that one of the officials had to explain overtime on like the open mic as the entire world is watching? And it was like a a word salad that went for 90 seconds because like, okay, everyone got that. Everyone write that down. And the broadcast network has its graphic all ready to go that takes up three quarters of the screen. And you're like, have to squint to see like the the remaining part of the screen. I think there's still a stadium back there and some players going out there for the coin flip, but let me let me read this passage from from uh, from War and Peace uh, and uh, see if I can finish it before they take it off the screen. Yeah, it's just so convoluted. Mm-hmm. And I so anyway, just for base basic, um, just for just for clarity standpoint. Just yeah, I, I like this. I like the rule. It's easy to understand. I can get behind it. Everybody gets multiple chances, and uh, you're playing the opponent and the clock, which is what the game is for the first sixty minutes anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I, I like the, well, the, the league that being alluded to was NBA. Um, but it's, it, it's also got a feel of soccer to it as well. The extra time where, you know, it's, it's, it, it's more of the same game you are just watching rather than this complete flip of um, philosophy based on, you know, this, maybe finite chance that you get in one, one shot here Um, while it makes it a bit more compelling, like, you know, Hey, you got to convert here or else, or else the other team is probably going to go down and win the game. It just, it just feels more natural to it's more natural way to end the game. It's more of, uh, I feel like it's going to yield. If this one in itself passes, I feel like it'll yield, better results and more appropriate results down the stretch rather than trying to figure things out, um, with, with a coin toss. So I've always felt that the coin toss deciding games is a bit archaic, especially with how much money is invested into this league on a yearly basis and how much time people spend, how much energy people spend, you know, rooting for their, for their favorite teams to have it like come down to a flip of a coin and, randomly which side the the referee puts puts uh on on, uh, on his front finger on his thumb uh, as opposed to the other it's like okay well 
it goes into the force of the toss. It's like, oh, what, what, are we, what are we even talking about here? Just let, let right. everybody, let everybody have a chance. And, and how about this with the bills uh, proposal too? I don't even really want to say it's their proposal, but the one that they back anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, is uh, here. We've used the word cynic or cynicism a handful of times so far. So here's, here's a cynical view. Um, you could, you can understand the NFL wanting this because you can bet on more things. Oh, hundred percent. The longer the game goes in, in game situation, more possessions mean more things to bet on. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's, it prolongs uh, the game to a very certain degree, as opposed to one or whatever it was, six plays into the bills game, right? Six, Mm -hmm. six play. I think the the chief scored on their six play in overtime. Um, That's six plays as opposed to 20, 20 plays or however many 25 plays. So, um, yeah, I mean that's I know that's a cynical view, but I think, I've, I think I've earned it. <laughs> it's very real, um, especially with how the NFL is partnering up and each individual team is partnering up with with these uh, uh, with these sports mobile betting sites. So let yeah, me ask you this, Joe: What yeah. are your thoughts on not 13 seconds in terms of what happened? It seems mm-hmm. to be quite a discussion as to whether or not we should even be asking the question anymore. Yeah. Uh, I, I think feel people like- are sick of hearing about it because they're sick of thinking about 13 seconds. So the yeah. fact that Sean McDermott doesn't want to answer the question, people I think have this cognitive dissonance of, okay, well, let's just leave it behind. So I don't have to think about it anymore. I, I don't, I, I don't, I, I'm going to rationalize that. I don't care what happened because I don't want to have to think about it. <laughs> I mean, sure. That's, that's probably part of it. I, See, I think this is probably the the last shot at it because McDermott and Bean haven't talked since, uh, at least to the the local media at large, um, since the end of season press conference. And at that point, it was still really raw. And that's why this time around, it's like, okay, well, you know, it's not as much of a, oof, it's already, it's still a, still a shot to the heart right here. Um it's you can speak on it maybe a little bit more removing the emotion from it. Uh, so I don't really have a problem with, with it being asked again, because it's been a unified front throughout everybody that we've talked to about what happened in those final 13 seconds, whether it be the kickoff or the two defensive plays and no one is talking about it. It's they they have just made a decision to say, okay, we're not, we're not going to, reveal we're gonna we're gonna keep the curtain curtain up here so that way we don't have to continue to you know just live in this forever um so i can respect that but i also think the the question needed to be asked again and you know from this point forward forward it's probably overkill because we know that okay they're they're staunch they're they're not gonna do it and the only way we're gonna find out what actually happened is when people start talking down the line but it, it sounds like no one is willing to do it. I did find it interesting that McDermott added a little, a little phrase into how he answered the question. You know, it, it, it came down to execution and let's see what I have it written down somewhere, uh, which starts and ends with the head coach. He didn't say that the first time around. Um, and he probably felt like that he didn't put a, enough of the blame on himself. And so the fact that he, he did that is probably, you know, a good thing for at least in his mind and, you know, his staff and, and his team, how, whatever happened, whether or not Tyler Bass knew to kick the ball short, whether or not um, 
they got the wrong call in, whether or not it was a communication thing with the special teams coordinator, who the heck knows. But, but yeah, I, I think, I do think it needed to be asked. What about you? Well, I asked it. <laughs> yeah, well, that's true. That's true. That's true. Forgot about that part. Okay. So, well, and I'll tell you why I asked it. I didn't ask it because I assumed as I'm asking the question, he's not going to tell me. Yeah. But I had to ask the first question so I could ask the second question. The first question was, and I'm paraphrasing myself, um, because you've now had some time to debrief as, mm-hmm. a, as a staff and to reflect on it. What happened in the last 13 seconds against Kansas City? And he said, you know, with all due respect type answer. Right. Um, I've said what I'm going to say. Uh, my real curiosity was my second question. And this is where I want to get into not necessarily what happened in the last 13 seconds. If you wanted to talk about it, that would have been great because we were able to learn something. But my, my real motivation to bringing it up was I wanted to learn what he thinks of the sports psychology of not talking about it. Mm-hmm. So why are you being vague? Um, you, it seems to be a concerted effort not just from Sean, but as an organization to be ambiguous, why are you doing that? And he didn't really feel like getting into it, especially being surrounded by cameras. You got the the bright lights on uh, the lighting and microphones and he's surrounded by 15 people, Um, you know, maybe under different circumstances, he'd be willing to engage in a little bit more of a philosophical discussion about sports psychology. But that's really what I wanted to know uh, is what's, the benefit of, of moving on, I guess, or let, let's talk about this a little bit. So that, that was, that was what I was after. And so mm-hmm. I, I've got a lot of uh, Matt Beauvais, uh, our good pal um, posted the video of me asking the question and Sean's answers um, and, and tagged me in, in the tweet. So that way, you know, so I got, you know, I got a, quite a bit of feedback as to what fans think about this question being asked, which yeah. is why I brought it up. And I think there's a lot of give it up, exclamation point, exclamation point. He's not going to answer you. And what? I, and I didn't really respond to, to many people, uh, if any, really this week here, um, is I, I get that. And I'm not offended that he's not answering. I, mm-hmm. I, I am not bothered that he's not going to take the time to explain to me what happened over the last 13 seconds. That's his right. Mm-hmm. And like you've said, I respect it. And if I were a head coach, that might be exactly the way I handled it. Um, but I don't know, but I, it might be, I, I get it. Um, so I'm not bothered. And I don't think he's think he, he thinks I'm a, a dickhead for asking the question. Right. Um, Sean, and as soon as the cameras were off, he, you know, smiled at me and, you know, say, Hey, good to see you again. And, you know, it's fine. I mean, we're, we're, we're good. And this is kind of how the sausage is made, but, mm-hmm. um, I thought it was an opportunity to learn something about sports psychology and yeah. uh, we didn't, we didn't quite get there, but I, I wouldn't have known if I didn't ask. Absolutely. I, I, but I definitely think now until, you know, we kind of hear it from the seedy underbelly of, of, of the sport of what actually happened. I think the, the window is probably passed on, you know, whether or not they're actually going to open up and talk about it. I think no. the, ne- the, ne- the next time that, that we, we ask them about it might be well down the line, but well, you know, I mean, you, here's the, I guess you oh, never know. We, you know, it, we, we will be asking about it because think of all the people we haven't had a chance to speak to yet. Oh, like the Matt first Smiley. time, Tyler, the first time Tyler Bass talks. True. 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 Uh, we had uh, the first times. Yeah. Smiley. Maybe just um, McDermott. I'm, I'm, I'm yeah, thinking of that. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Any player who is on the field, you know, <laughs> 
know, we we got Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde after the game, but uh, what, what what I'm trying to think of somebody. What what's Ed Oliver going to have to say about the last 13 seconds? That's what's true. Levi Wallace going to say about the last 13 seconds? What's what's Harrison Phillips or Tremaine Edmonds or Matt Milano going to say about the last 13 seconds? Hey guys, Matt Milano is probably going to say nothing. Well, <laughs> Matt Milano would say nothing. Very quiet guy. The, if they won the Super Bowl, you would <laughs> right, say right, exactly. Uh, so anyway, yeah, it's yeah. not going. This story's not going away. No, it's 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 not. But until there's some clarity, it's it's going to kind of hover over. So it's it's kind of a weird thing for them to play though, because okay, do you are you forthright and say what happened, and everyone gets pissed at you, or do you allow it to just kind of hover without no one really knowing, and then people still continually asking as time time passes. Right. It's 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 a it's a difficult uh, thing to manage. Um, well, yeah. Uh, so this this uh, this combine has been, you know, it, it, you don't get like crazy amount of intel, but you get good background no matter where you look with with the NFL combine. And I feel like we we got that this time around in in uh, in the few days that that we were in Indianapolis, just, you know, talking with a bunch of people, trying to figure out what happened with the coaching staff, everything like that. A lot, lot of, a uh, lot of good Intel. And as always, Tim Graham, you always bring it. So I, I appreciate you for, for jumping on the Buffalo beat again. I bring something. If you feel that it, the something is, it is it, it. I'm flattered, but what is it? It isn't, wasn't that like, wasn't that a song? It's it. Yeah. Is it, Faith no more. That's right. Epic. Faith no more. Is that what it's called? All right. All right. Was that yep. nine? You got it. Ask it. Let's do. Uh, let's do what it again. Is Ask it? <laughs> it's it. What is it? What is it? Wow. And a fish dies at the. End I don't of the know video. if I've ever seen that music video. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was really controversial. You know, they it's a it's a goldfish in an aquarium, and at the end of the video, the aquarium breaks, and uh, the fish is gasping for air out of its. I did not think we would be bowl. talking about Faith No More's uh, music video to end to end the show, but you want it all, <laughs> but you can't have. That guy had a crazy voice, very nasally. Um, yes, he did. We care a lot. Another I, good I actually song. did not know that they, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they had other songs, but I, you know, what, what year is that? Like early nineties, mid nineties might've been right before. Um, uh, maybe late eighties. I don't know. Is that maybe like a I bridge feel, where they grunge? I feel like they were in the, I don't um, know that they were the early chili punk, peppers uh, era. Yes. Yeah. They were right. like a chili yeah, peppers knockoff, right. weren't they? From San Francisco. Learn a lot about faith no more today. Anyway, <laughs> how about just no more instead of faith podcast no more? No let's more, do indeed. podcast no more. It's it's a intriguing side name if the Buffalo beat never never works out. Um, all right, Tim Graham. Uh, if you haven't yet, be sure to go check out Tim's most recent uh, stadium FAQ. A lot of good morsels of information uh, in there. You know, we did, we didn't exactly get to it uh, because there was a lot that happened at the combine this week. But uh, by all means, you're going to want to read everything that that Tim just wrote about the stadium and uh, spewed. You almost said spewed. I think you 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 stopped there before you said just wrote that, that everything that Tim just wrote. You said spewed I, I, I no said more. Spewed was um, 
everything, everything. So yeah, check that out. And if you head over to the athletic right now, I think, I think we still have the $1 per month, um, uh, subscription deal running. So man, get, get yourself oh. a nice little subscription and, and go find that link wherever, uh, go to, go to Tim's Twitter at by Tim Graham and, uh, you can find the link to his story right there. All right, Tim, you're the man. Thanks for jumping on for as long as you did. Mm. How can I be the man when you're the man? Of course, my man. Okay. Joe, thank so you that's going to do it this time on the Buffalo beat. The next time you'll hear me will be in a couple of weeks when the free agent market starts to take shape. All right. Thanks for listening to this episode and we will talk to you next time. See you then.